be authentic to why you started the business and your community will come and grow because of that. I think there are some founders that are so used to like that Facebook ad style way of growing where you want it to be very prescriptive because the ad marketplace really liked one style of content and it, it wasn't so authentic to your style or your way of storytelling. I think we're now in an era where being as authentic as you possibly can will win out in terms of content and building community. So, I mean, it sounds really corny, but just like be yourself. And like, that truly really is like what has worked really well for us. This is Nigel Thomas. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the Ecom Alphas podcast. So today we're back with the second episode of the conversation that I had with Fiona Champ from Euphoria. And honestly, one of the things she talks about today, I've not really heard from many other brand owners in the space, but it's something that I massively resonate with. Because for those who didn't know, we actually built our inbounds pretty much through cold outbounds, through cold emails, cold DMs. And whilst a lot of people don't like that in this day and age, Fiona really understands having that skill set of how to do that properly and at scale is really important when you're really starting off the company and you're looking to develop a reputation. And she used that strategy to actually develop relationships with brand ambassadors who would then become an integral part of their marketing strategy, especially on TikTok. Take some notes. And for Fiona, if you haven't checked out Euphoria, go and check them out on TikTok. They're doing incredible things in the space. It's a great conversation. If you do enjoy it, please share it with friends. Leave us a review. Have a fantastic week. Without further ado, I'm going to stop rambling. Let's get into this episode. So obviously now you've got that traction. And I feel like this is where a lot of brands go wrong they fail to capitalize on it. And when I say capitalize, I don't mean in a transactional way. I mean in terms of actually starting to build that community because I know you've obviously done this really successfully. So how did you build the community in the early days? And maybe how has that transition to obviously, you know, build this actual brand as opposed to just viral ads on TikTok? We've always been very community driven. We grew because of our community, not because of like scaling ads or anything, but it's always been a very open dialogue. I will create videos to respond to customers if they ever have any questions. It's always very detailed to any of their asks. And I do take their products recommendations or just their concerns into consideration as I'm developing products. It has been a really interesting way to grow a brand because you are essentially just building a brand in front of your community base and you're sharing that journey with them through TikTok or on stories. I'm pretty transparent and open the entire process and I'll share like the good times and the bad times. And it's something where it feels really rewarding when we do have our wins and our community, our community is there with us. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I don't know if you know the brand Midday Squares. We did an interview with them once and they had like a lawsuit from Hershey's and they literally documented, which I thought was crazy. I'm not sure if that's going to work, but they documented the entire process behind the scenes and shared it with all their fans. And just like you said, just that raw, brutal transparency, which actually a lot of the corporations won't do. That's where you just, you win over people's hearts, don't you? And I think there's a saying that I heard before, which kind of resonates with this, which the same robot sales pitch won't inspire the next generation but a good story will. And that's really what you're doing. You get people involved with that story by being brutally transparent. And 
I don't know. I mean, I'm just like looking from the outside in and from what I can see, Fiona, from what we're speaking about. But that must be extremely rewarding from your side. And I'm sure you hear like how obviously your products have changed people's lives. Yeah. And I I also really love the Midday Squares social accounts. Just the way that they do content, the behind the scenes. It's super fascinating because it's something where I never saw any anything like that, like the real behind the scenes of building a brand and what it's like. I mean, I wish I grew up seeing this, but it's super, super cool to watch. Even now, as I, I'm building my own brand, I love watching other entrepreneurs build their brand as well. What do you think on the other side then of the coin that some founders get wrong, whether it's content or building community from what you see? Obviously, you see a lot of different brands. You do a lot of research. You're not naming any names. But I think, again, if we look at the inverse, like what do you think that most brands get wrong with that critical early stage? I think my biggest advice would always be authentic to why you started the business and your community will come and grow because of that. I think we are so, I mean, not we, but I think there are some founders that are so used to like that Facebook ad style way of growing where you want it to be very prescriptive because the ad marketplace really liked one style of content and it, it wasn't so authentic to your style or your way of storytelling. I think we're now in an era where being as authentic as you possibly can will win out in terms of content and building community. So, I mean, it sounds really corny, but just like be yourself. And like, that truly is like what has worked really well for us. Yeah, I hear that advice branded a lot in terms of be yourself, but I don't think most people actually understand it. You know, obviously you get it. You're actually just being yourself. I think a lot of people try to be authentic instead of just being authentic. It's kind of a bit of a, a weird cliche, but if you understand it, you understand it. And it's just, it seems like it's pretty liberating once you obviously embrace it properly. So fair play to you on that. Where are you at in terms of your stage of growth now then to give people an idea? Obviously, you know, you're still fairly early stage, but you've had quite a bit of traction. Where are you at now? Like how big's the team and how have things changed since obviously, you know, the start of your brand? Yeah, we are still like a very early stage brand. We are a little bit over a year and a half old. So still tiny, tiny, tiny. But we're now slowly growing our team up until this point. And we were just like me and like one other person, two other people. But now like our team is, I think it's like six full-time people now. So it's been really exciting. Just in the last couple of months, we have grown our team a lot, or I consider it a lot. It's obviously not as big as other teams, but it's a really exciting time for us just because we're now transitioning from just, you know, us doing whatever and seeing what works and now really building out a company. Yeah, I don't know if you know the guys at Obvi, uh, Ronak and Kit and Ash, but those guys, they scaled, and again, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it's right, because they use different third parties and they use contractors and vendors. They scaled to like, well, I think it was 30 million in 30 months with literally a team of eight like full-time wow. members. Which That's is amazing. Insane. I know, right? And that's for me, just really put it on the map of nowadays in 2022, 2023, how lean you can stay because of obviously not only you can outsource things and we have like this great access to the internet, but also the technology and software that you can leverage. And like you said, just being really smart and creative, like these guys are geniuses at marketing. And obviously you've got that edge as well. 
I'm curious to hear though, do you plan to stay as lean as possible? And obviously now we're going into, well, you know, everyone's saying it's a recession, how that might have affected things in the next six to 12 months. Yeah, I think it's important to just not grow too quickly, especially when you have like a new team that hasn't worked together, just making sure that you're setting up a foundation and then adding additional team members when it's necessary. I don't know how big I want to grow the team eventually, but I'm really happy with the size that we're at now. I will say that like last year, I felt very stretched thin in terms of the amount of responsibilities I was overseeing. And I will say this now that I'm working these crazy hours, just prepping up for a few big, big things we have going down the pipeline. But it is, you know, when you're growing a company and not just a brand, there is a learning curve to making sure that the team functions well together. What, how are you looking to grow the brand from here on out then in terms of like the next six to 12 months? I think just increasing our brand awareness. We are about to launch into Ulta in a couple of weeks, which is really exciting. And just adding right. that in-person retail experience will be a completely new dynamic for the brand. But for makeup, I think it's just really important because it's a product category that's very personal. You want to see if the textures look great on you, how it feels on skin, if it matches your skin tone. So I'm excited to see what that does for our business and what we need to change as a result. And in terms of making those relationships on the wholesale side, are you going to trade shows? I know it takes a long time to obviously get in the door, but once you're in the door, obviously the brand awareness is crazy. But how are you looking to do that? Because again, I speak to a lot of direct-to-consumer founders and I don't think they realize the potential there is on the wholesale side. And obviously once you can capture that market, it really is just like... Well, say unlimited potential. Of course, it's hard on the margins, maybe. But I'm curious to hear what you've done on that side of things and how you're approaching it. So a lot of these relationships came about while it was still during the pandemic. So hadn't gone to trade shows. That was not a thing in 2021. And some of these relationships, I would just email them once a month and update. And once we felt like we were ready for going into retail, it just naturally happened. I didn't realize this when I started the brand, but you do want to get to a point where you do feel like you're ready. You have all the operations in place to support a retail partner. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. You know what I love about your approach, Fiona, is that, and by the way, you know, we've done podcasts of like, I think 34, 35 incredible brands. No one's ever really talked about in terms of you don't ask, you don't get, like DMing people, cold emailing people, keeping those relationships going and just like that kind of mindset, like in my opinion, like again, we built this agency off mostly just asking people and called outbound and whatever else. I think that's so important, that mentality and whether you call it sales or whatever, like when you actually generally believe that, you know, you could, this person could help you or vice versa and you believe in your product, that mentality is important. It seems from the outside looking in, Fiona, that's something that you've got. I don't know if it's from the selling software side of things, but it seems like that kind of hustle has really helped you build connections where otherwise, you know, other founders might just not have had those opportunities because they didn't ask. Yeah, I think asking is always like, it's so easy to underestimate just asking and cold DMing. A lot of our great relationships are new relationships that we've built over time, of course. And... I always say this, but Euphoria is built on a lot of cold DMs and cold emails. I don't even know how many cold emails or DMs I've sent, probably thousands at this point. Amazing. And yeah, the fact that now, even though you obviously you've had some success, you've still got the mentality where you know you just need to keep doing it. 
and not ever getting complacent. Like that in itself is pretty impressive, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. And I also really enjoy it. I did come from software sales. So I always just like meeting new people. And it's different when it's your brand because it really is like your baby. And of course, you love talking about it and sharing it with as many people as possible. And it's really fun when I get to update people and just tell them like all the exciting news and they get excited as well because they've seen really the behind the scenes of us growing the brand. Amazing. And looking forward, you said just before, you're not sure how big you want to grow the team. Maybe you get someone in to manage the day-to-day at some point, but what is your vision for the future, Fiona, of how big this brand can get? And more, more importantly, what do you want to do with this brand? How do you want to impact the world? Yeah, I want to make a full face of Euphoria. I love product development. It is 100% my true passion area. And so everything we work towards is because, you know, I have a true love of these products and I really want to see them come to life and come into the market. And I love making sure that we can build our company culture in a way that's really true to the core values of Euphoria. I think this brand has a huge potential to be, you know, as big as it can be. I think the the passion behind the brand and the products is, is really there. And do you, in terms of the markets, like how much are you wanting to go into other markets internationally outside of just North America? Yeah, I think there's like a huge desire there just because I've spent a lot of time abroad. And when you go abroad, there's different mall formats, there's different shopping formats. I think it's just by nature of me just living in different countries. There's always going to be that desire. But for the near term, like my core focus is on the US. What do you think to the whole social selling thing? Because obviously you're over in Asia quite a lot. And it's sure, I don't think it can work the same as it can in the West, but the numbers you see, like especially in China and those other countries, like they're crazy, aren't they? Like the social selling side of things, live shopping. Curious to hear what your take is on that. Yeah, I think live shopping is really interesting. Had so many conversations this week just about live shopping and if it's going to be really a way of selling in the US. What I've noticed in China is that the way that they do live stream shopping is so different from the way that we do it here. Over here, it's not as entertaining. It's someone essentially just talking to a camera. When you watch live stream shopping um, from like a a Chinese creator, it's incredibly entertaining. And I think it's something that even like QVC or HSN, like they do that really well. They make it very, very entertaining. So I don't know, it's it's a very big TBD for what it will look like in America. But I think it's something where, you know, I'm watching this as it matures. I do think there's a lot of potential, but I think in terms of like how you're producing that content, it has to be a little bit different than just like speaking to a camera. Okay, so be less boring for any creators in the US, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> By the way, if people really don't know about the Asian market and the live shopping, where would you suggest like people, you know, looking at the content, like what platforms? You can look at even like the Chinese version of TikTok, Douyin, or you can look at Little Red Book for beauty. Even like Alibaba, they'll do live stream shopping. And sometimes you'll see Chinese creators actually on the US version of TikTok. They do it very differently. And it's incredibly, I don't know, I can get sucked in to one of these live streams and I can watch a lot of it and don't even know why, but it's a very different style of content. Interesting. And you know, what's also really interesting is the fact that there's another secret weapon that you've got in your arsenal that most people haven't got. I mean, sure, you're embedded in that culture, but I reckon the impact that's had on you and obviously your creative inspiration and ideas. Yeah, that's another thing as well as all the other stuff you've talked about. So 
Yeah, it just shows those unique experiences really do help out. So where can people find like more about obviously Euthoria, what you're doing? And maybe it might be uh, a good time to ask, is there any specific products that are on the horizon that you can give people a sneak peek into in the next six to 12 months? In terms of new products, we are working on a new launch now. So our first hit, our BYO blush, I'm actually extending that blush line to three additional colors. This was something where our community really asked us to do. I think one of our first customers was like, I would really love if you extended the blush line. I didn't really expect to do it. But then once I started working on it, we've just made some really amazing colors and it's been a huge journey just trying to even manufacture all of this on time. So that's going to be coming out in mid-November, something really fun and exciting. And then to learn more about Euthoria, you can visit our website at www.euthoria.co and then on TikTok and Instagram at Euthoria. Yeah, definitely check out the crazy content ideas because Fiona and her team certainly know what they're doing. Is there anything else that you want to speak about? I do have one last question, which I usually ask at the end, but is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of either your brand, in terms of helping other entrepreneurs who are building brands around their passions or just anything else for you and if yours? Yeah, my closing thoughts for any aspiring entrepreneur is just not to forget about your authentic story and your life experiences. I think that's the one thing that will make any entrepreneur's journey unique and it's something that's very unique to yourself and you can build community around that for sure. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I was literally just going to ask you if you had an hour with an entrepreneur who's just starting their journey and you could give them an advice because obviously put into perspective, having that one hour would bring out the most important things. What would you focus that consultation around? But it sounds like you would focus it around that authentic side of things. So yeah, look, it's been an absolute pleasure, Fiona. You've got a really different angle and approach to business. You might not realize that you probably do because you get great feedback anyway from your customers and all the other shows and all the other platforms you've been on. But yeah, like you've got a really unique, unique way of doing business. I certainly learn a lot. I'm sure the audience will. And I just appreciate you taking your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No worries, take care. As I'd said, one of my favorite episodes, this one, Fiona massively inspired me to do more. I hope you got some real tactical advice over the course of these two episodes. And if you did enjoy it, please share it with a friend, leave a review on your favorite platform. I really appreciate that. And if you've got any other ideas for guests, just, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Nigel Thomas out for Inbound. I'd love to hear any other guests or if you yourself think you've got a cool story to come and share in the D2C space, reach out to us. But apart from that, have a fantastic week. As always, stay true to yourself. Keep doing great things. Let's get after it.